You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Sunday Skate, I'll give it a B, B plus. On WEEI. Here we go, Skate Pod on the 10th of October. Ken Laird and Matt Kalman, WEEI.com. Kalman just back from Providence where he did a fantastic bonus pod with uh, Jay Leach. And he's going to have another one coming up, I believe, tomorrow. People, yeah, yeah, people are probably listening to that while we record this. It's amazing. But right. yeah, we'll actually have one on Friday. Today's Wednesday. Yeah. So we'll have one dropping on Friday. Uh, I could say it's Jacob Zaboral, the uh, defenseman that many people have judged already, but uh, a guy who I think is going to make an impact at some point in the NHL. Now, I'm excited about those, but I'm thrilled. <laughs> we got Don Cherry on the podcast today. Yes, we Love did. Don Cherry. We brought him up on every skate episode last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, the only disappointing thing is that when you have him on a, a podcast, you can't see what, what Cody's wearing. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he brought out the finest for us today, so we're <laughs> going to get to Don Cherry in just a moment. Also want to remind you, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Radio.com, Please go leave a rating, a review if you can. It a helps us out. positive review. And it's all paying off because we got Red River joining us uh, in the near future here. Going to be one of our new sponsors yeah, Red River is going to be our sponsor. Of course, we've got our tie-in with Lord Hobo. We hope yeah. to uh, maybe do some live podcasting from uh, Lord Hobo, which is in my neighborhood, which would be nice to not have to drive an hour round trip to do a, st- do a recording. Beautiful. It's so right down the street, so that's good. And here as we start to get going, here comes Christian Fourier to, to interrupt things. Fourier begged to be on the podcast last week, so here you go. I'm not ready yet. What do you mean you're not ready? I'm not ready yet. You want to gather your thoughts? I, I definitely want to gather my thoughts. I, I have a lot of them. Char thoughts, first line thoughts, deep. Uh, Tuka seats, Rask thoughts. TD I mean, come Garden on. Who goes, thoughts? Did, did, did Tuka Rask ask, at, did, did they play the game? Outside in the desert, <laughs> so did, in Arizona they play outside where it was hot, or did they play indoors? Hydration's Who important. Knows? You How know can this. hydration be an issue like for a professional athlete? It should never be an issue for a professional athlete. Well, at least he had his hydration issue in the desert. Corey Schneider of the Devils had his hydration issue. They were playing in Columbus or something. Yeah, but I think if you play in <laughs> Vegas or Arizona, they go, "Well, it's really hot in there." But then you go, "Oh wait, they play indoors. <laughs> oh, and it's on the ice. Oh, another reason why hockey players are wimps. Just the goalies." I want to be on though. I want mid season. Full episode, okay. Full episode, yeah, but yeah. not till the football season is over. Fair so enough. I can right. really you devote got, you a got lot a tough, of energy. A tough act to follow with Wiggy. He was like the number one downloaded episode. So. Oh, nothing. He's got nothing. I play goalie. Like I know how to. I know that's how true. Works. I've seen those cuts. All right, thanks guys. All See right. you. That's a great question for you. Fuck. Thank God that's over. Let's get Fourier out of here. Let's get the big star. This place is infested with expatriate tight ends. <laughs> You're right about that. And Gronk's back. He's going to be in studio next Tuesday on the, oh, really? on the Greg Hill show. So oh, there you go. Cool. See, they can't keep him away. A bunch away. of washed up tight ends. 
But let's get to the big guest of the day. The great Don Cherry, Hockey Night in Canada. Of course, five years to coach of the Boston Bruins. The greatest Canadian ever, Matt, for, uh, for my money. Absolutely. How are you, Coach? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, uh, the Bruins looked pretty good last night. I know. What are, you, what are your first impressions here? 3-0 and out of the gate. Best team in hockey? Well, I'll tell you one thing. They, uh, they play a great system, and they stick to it, and they don't panic when they get behind. And uh, uh, they had a great finals last year. Uh, they just run into a hot goalie. Uh, I couldn't believe they lost that last game. They looked so good in St. Louis. And then uh, uh, Bington, uh, he's a kid. I've watched him ever since he's a kid up here. Uh, played it for the GTHL. He told me in the elevator that, that morning, he said, we're winning. I didn't believe them because the Bruins <laughs> look so good, but they look good this year. So how much of that, of what you were talking about with the Bruins, you attribute to the coach, Bruce Cassidy? I, I, I attribute a lot because uh, he is the guy that uh, he, he, he gets, he, he's the guy that has the drink, it has the straw in there. <laughs> you can see he's behind the bench. He's full of, he's full of life. He's not, he got, he's not doesn't stand there with his arms folded. And uh, no, I do. I he's uh, I'm a fan of his, and he, he does a great job. And I really appreciated uh, when uh, I was down there the last time when we had 11 or 20 more goal scorers. I thought, well, you know, they'll have old guys go out on the ice. Like I used to see, by golly, he had all the guys sitting with their sweaters on yeah. watching. I, I said, uh, so I, I'm a I'm a fan of his. Yeah, and he's a big fan of yours and of the Bruins. He's, he knows all Bruins history, so it's it's pretty amazing to watch. Uh, him be the coach of the Bruins, considering how much he appreciates the history of it all. Well, they're a good team, and don't get me wrong. I like the way they play. They 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 had the most fights last year of anybody in the league. I like they play, but they're not a, they're not as tough uh, as uh, as we were. But sure. uh, the game has changed a lot. It's a lot faster, and uh, the game has changed. And and he he's kept right up with it. Boy, everybody likes that. I have to say, I have to give uh, congratulations to Sweetie. For signing the guys, uh, he sure signs them at uh, at a pre- at a great price. And uh, I mean, McAvoy, how he ever got McAvoy to sign for five five million? Right. I mean, uh, if that had been in the least here, the way McAvoy plays, he would have been getting eight million. So <laughs> Sweeney's doing a good job, and it looks like everybody wants to play in Boston. That's that's why they they get a good price. Now it's unfair to compare McAvoy or anybody to Orr, uh, coach. But uh, what do you see in McAvoy? What can he be? Well, he's got. It, I say he's got a little bit of Orr in him. Uh, he's got a little bit of Orr. I mean, nobody's like Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr is the greatest hockey player who ever played. But he uh, he play. He's got. He, he handles the puck well. He gets the puck out. He doesn't get beat too often. And uh, I like him. I I think he's one of the best defensemen in the league. I mean, it's just that he doesn't get the uh, publicity uh, like Dowdy and those guys do. You mentioned toughness as well. That's interesting. You you uh, mentioned uh, that over the weekend, talking about Toronto is the reason you don't think uh, they are a cup favorite right now. Was that the difference between St. Louis winning and, and, and is that going to play a factor again this year? Well, St. Louis is the toughest team in the league. I mean, when Berube took over, he was a tough guy. And like I said, he said, don't don't worry about the penalties. They even had the Europeans getting suspended for hitting to the head. <laughs> right. No, you have to. There's a difference in, in the regular season – I hate to say it, it doesn't mean anything. The four four first place clubs uh, in the league last year got beat out in the first round. Uh, you have to play a tough game. It's like a war. I think it's the hardest uh, it to win. You have to go six weeks to win it. And um, no, you have to be tough. If you're not tough, you're not going to win it. You, you take the year before Tom Wilson with Washington. I mean, he was the guy that uh, made things go back then. 
So you have to be tough. I mean, you don't have to be uh, running around like an idiot. I think you just have to be team tough. And St. Louis last year, boy, they were the they were the toughest team of all of anybody in the league. They played San Jose. They put out Hurdle. They put out Carlson. They put out uh, Pavalski. Three other stars. I mean, I know you know a lot of people don't like that stuff, but I uh, tell you one thing, boy, they they were a tough team. <laughs> they were a tough team this year too. So, whether it's Toronto or St. Louis or any of these teams. Do they have to change personnel to add tougher players, or can the players they have be tougher? You know, I'm thinking more, more like Toronto or Boston or these other teams, Tampa. Not if you don't you don't get the right players, you, you'll you'll get the players playing tougher. Mm-hmm. If you have half your team, like I mean, let's face it, they really had a, a, a tough team, and the other let's join in. But no, if you don't have the uh, you don't have the personnel, mm-hmm. like Tampa, if you don't have the personnel. You're not gonna. You're not gonna win the playoffs. You got to have the guys that want to play tough, and uh, they play tough. And Boston played tough too. And remember, Boston led the league in fights last year. I know a lot of people don't like fights, but <laughs> it gives their their attitude the way they they go into the game. Sure. I know you said Don uh, Brad Marchand is your favorite Bruin. Uh, all, were you all the more surprised to see the line change gaff in Game Seven last year from him? Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, he, like, he's, he's, he, he, he stopped that licking and all that stuff. That was just funny. <laughs> but if you look at the world tournaments and you, you look at the important goals, well, even this year, you look at the important goals. Marshawn is always there, and, and he's not a big guy, and, but he's always there. He's afraid of nobody. I remember when he grabbed uh, one of the twins for Vancouver yeah. and did ragdoll with him. I mean, he, he's. Um, he fits right in the pattern. He he'd be great in St. Louis, but he's he's good in Boston. He's my favorite player. And through the, through these first three games that they've played, he's their MVP, and uh, that maybe that'll kind of translate to the rest of the league. Maybe people will start to recognize him uh, in that light. Well, I don't know. I I I think that he got penalties that last year or the year before because he was Brad Marchand. Right. And if he had been anybody else, they they wouldn't have called the penalties on him. That's the way I feel about him, anyhow. What's Tampa's problem? Why why do they get swept last year? And do they have that same thing going on this year? Well, it's, again, if you don't if you don't play tough, their goaltender wasn't very good either. But if you don't play tough, I mean, again, I, I people are listening to this. They're saying, "What is this guy nuts or something?" <laughs> but if you don't, if you go into the playoffs and you play the same ways you play the regular season, you're not going to win. And that was proven with the first four, four, first place on every division was beat out in the first round. In fact, Tampa as we know, never even won a game. And their leading scorer was awful. And because the, the whole mindset, I think it's the only sport in the world, the whole mindset changes once, once, the, once the, the chips are down. So we all know that you kind of still have an affinity for the Bruins after coaching here. I mean, wh- why is it that, that the Bruins have stuck with you all these years later, even though you know things didn't necessarily end the best way when, when you left here? You know, it's a funny thing you say that, is that uh, the Bruins, are, like I said, aren't as tough as they used to be. But they're still tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, you take Philadelphia. There's Philadelphia had a great reputation going, Broad Street Bullies and all that stuff and everything. I know you don't say that anymore, but there was a team that had a, had a great thing going, and they did an abrupt change. Now, their crowds are down, and I don't care what anybody says. They, they won't admit it, but they, don't, they play a different game. They had a great thing going, and they lost it. And you're not afraid to go into Philadelphia anymore. Not that we were ever afraid, but a lot of teams were afraid to go in there. You got you got to keep that, and the Bruins kept up that. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to play there? You can tell everybody wants to play there, and uh, they have their attitude, and their attitude is not as 
good as I'd like it, but uh, they still have that attitude. And, and, and like I said a million times, you're not going to win the playoffs. And let's face it, in, in hockey, the main thing is, I guess, baseball, football, too. The main thing is to, to win in the playoffs. Sure. When you took over in 74, Don, were, were the Bruins tough enough then? Were you the guy that created the Big Bad Bruins historically when you look back on it? No, when I took over, I, I, I took over. They'd been to the, they won the Stanley Cup, and they, they went to the finals the year before. And that was why I think that what happened was that Philadelphia was the bigger, was a tougher team. Sure. And uh, if you notice that uh, Philly went on to win the next two years in a row, I mean they were they were like a wolf pack. They they were they, they, you you touch one guy, the only thing is that we were tougher. That's why we put them out in the playoffs. And uh, big thing too is we we were tough all right, but we had a lot of people don't realize that would I guess they do now that we had eleven guys that scored twenty or more goal scores. Think about that. 11 guys on the same club scored 11 or tw- 11 guys scored 20 or more goals it, it, that's a record never be broken and another sure. thing too that we had uh, we had Jilly Gilbert that uh, who didn't like me by the way the only guy I think that didn't <laughs> like me was uh, and he had 17 straight wins which wow. is a uh, record uh, still stands now, uh, in terms of uh, the, the organization now do you keep in touch with Jeremy Jacobs and uh, how about Harry Sinden? You guys talk at all? No, uh, uh, Jeremy Jacobs. I never. I, when he was here, I don't think he liked my style of play. And uh, I, somehow or other, I, he, ta- he said hello to me the last time, but I don't think he. You know, I don't think I'm one of his <laughs> or was one of his big. But Harry and I, we, we had an awful falling out at the end uh, the last year. And I mean, how could you get rid of the coach of the year? And we went to the final. The team that won the game went to seventh game in overtime. No, I, Harry and I did not get along at the end, but uh, Harry and I, uh, we talk now, we say hello now, and uh, we're semi-friends, so uh, that's good. I'm glad he's doing good, and I'm, still, I'm glad he's still with the Bruins. Well, that's great, and uh, glad to see you're still welcomed back, uh, you know, every so often. Oh, I, I, I couldn't believe it, like I said, that, that last time in, I, uh, boy, I'll tell you, I, I, I thank the Bruins for that one and all the players, and uh, I thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Don. You're yeah, the best. Thanks a lot, Don. Okay, guys. See you. Bye. Bye bye. Whoo, there you go. The great Don Cherry, <laughs> 85 years of age and uh, still sounding great. Still sharp as a tack. A lot, a lot to unpack there. I, I know. Mean, he's doubling down on this. I mean, I guess. I think Le- he likes toughness. I'm Lee's, a- fans should, <laughs> exactly. Lee's fans should not even bother going to the games <laughs> because they're not suddenly going to get tougher. Well, that so. was the big headline that came out of this weekend. Yeah. Hockey in Canada. The Leafs aren't tough enough to win it. So, I mean. And uh, I, I, the reason I asked them about whether the players that they have can just become tougher is because if you look at it, I would say there we have seen Bruins players over the years get tougher after they come up. Now, um, you know Tyler Sagan wasn't quite in that in that mold. Uh, obviously, they they parted ways with him, but we we've seen guys subtly, you know, get tougher. David Krejci, for one, for sure, has learned has learned to be a tougher player. There's a physicality there, especially in the playoffs, that comes out, and we know about Patrice Bergeron how much tougher he is, even though he's counted on to be a skilled player. There, there's a toughness there. There's, you know, you have to be tough to play through the things he plays through. Right. To, what are you talking about? Play. Fights, hits, uh, in every way, play in, every way, shape, and form. I mean, in, in the postseason, you'll see Patrice Bergeron, whether it's giving a hit or, or even just taking one to make a play. You know, and you, you'll see guys do that. And so now I wonder, not to make, not to go down that Toronto Maple Leafs path we always seem to go down, but do their players understand to take that next step? And that was, to me, that was, that was that's the difference between them and the Bruins yep. in these past two years in the playoff series. It's not, obviously they have as much talent 
it's that ca- it's that character slash toughness slash just knowing what it really takes to pay the price to win a playoff series, and they haven't had it. And obviously, it goes without saying we're t- we're talking here a week into the season. Last year, St. Louis didn't get hot until January. Right, won a cup, but you see Tampa again struggle out of the gate with some of the similar symptoms that we saw from a year ago. So, yeah, I mean. I mean it, that's maybe where it's going to cost this coach. I mean, we've all agreed he's a great coach, John Cooper, but somehow he didn't. He should have probably done a little more research or something along those lines to figure out how to keep that team focused when they were had nothing to play for last year. And it, it's proving that even after a summer, you know, maybe they made a mistake too, not making more changes. You didn't want to blow it up, but you know, all you did was you attracted Miller, you added Shattenkirk, you didn't really change the core, rattle them up a little bit, and maybe they're a little complacent. I still think they're the best team, but sure. got to, eventually they're going to have to prove that. And they're without Braden Point, and they've got some issues. But let's get to the Bruins issues now. Let me run down these. Uh, enjoy the chat with, with Don Cherry. But Bruins, 3-0, a 2-1 to win in Dallas, a one nothing blanking, a Yarrow shutout in Arizona, 4-3 win on Tuesday night, come back from a 2 nothing deficit. I think the game, that was the best game of the bunch by right. far. The most talent, the most entertaining for sure. No question. Uh, maybe a little more of course, open-ended. We weren't exactly setting the bar high with those no. first two games, especially the Arizona game. That was a snooze fest. So, No question. Now, the line combinations yes. from Tuesday, I think, become the biggest talker. Coleman starts with Krejci and DeBrusque, eventually gets bumped down to Coyle and Heinen's line. It right. looks pretty good. Yep, uh, and I would, say hits, I, would, I would kind of say that's being bumped up because right now Charlie right. Coyle clearly is your number two center as far as his own performance and the way he's carrying things. And uh, Bruce Cassidy shouldn't stop there. He should, at the very least, if he's not going to touch the first line, which we've, I mean, how many how many hours of our lives have we devoted to talking and writing about this? But at least he has to consider breaking up the Bruskin Krejci and seeing what Coyle can do with the most skilled, talented wings they have outside of Marsh and Apostolok. That starts with the brusque. How many of these shifts is Coyle going to have where he protects the puck and he's a one-man cycle and no one's getting open? And if they do, it's Stanton Heinen who doesn't want to ever shoot the puck or it's Carson Kuhlman who's you know trying hard but is obviously limited in some of the things he can do. So uh, you know you got to play the hot hand here and, and ride this Charlie Coyle surge, the surge that he's had where he's become such a great player. Great start to the year. And this is not the day to die on the hill of – Pasternak should be playing oh, with Krejci because right. he looked good with Marshawn last night, and that line, you know, sure. was a big part of their success. But but Heinen worked on the top line. Well, and know? and I was saying to you off the air, it doesn't even have to be if we're going to break up the top line, let's move Pasternak away from Krejci. You know, you can maybe pull Bergeron out of that spot if you want to get Krejci going. Maybe you put him there, or maybe you put Coyle there because he's every bit as good right now. You know, playing as as well pretty much as Bergeron. You don't need to have the great two way center playing between those two guys. And you see if Bergeron can get some of these wings going because these are the wings you have. There's no one really waiting right now to take a job here. If you're going to leave Anders Bjork in the AHL for a little bit to get some seasoning, there's there's nobody knocking on the door. And, you know, you can talk all you want about Richie and Backus and Nordstrom. These guys are placeholders if they're playing in the top nine. These are, these are fourth-line players who are effective fourth-line players, but you can't be counting on them to do anything in your top nine. Well, I mean, first of all, Bjork's got to be up here sooner than later, right? I mean, you cannot have Bacchus and Richie in the lineup in the same game. You wouldn't ever. think, and that's why Nordstrom's going to take one of their spots at least. Well, that's true um, because they have a crunch there now. They'll have Wagner, Corrali, Nordstrom, Bacchus, and Lindholm, actually. Right. I think you'll, you might see Nordstrom play with Krejci and DeBrusque. He did that a little last year, and that might just bump Kuhlman 
to the line with Coyle and, and Heinen, and that just might make that your second line again because if uh, if they're, if if that line is Coyle keeps playing the way he's playing, then right. then it becomes effectively a second line. Well, that that was a great line when when Co- when Coolman and Coyle played yeah. Tuesday night, eight to one in fa- uh, shots and goal over a six minute span. They, right, they controlled the the tempo. So there you go, and that that kind of brings up the best in Coolman. It's funny, I think uh, Don Cherry talking about Brad Marchand being his favorite player, but I bet. Uh, three, four years, or even two, it's going to be Coleman. That guy's going to yeah, really. He's American, he's American though. <laughs> he was born north of the border. And have made oh, a we can, he was, he's Minnesota, so it's close yeah, it's enough, close, isn't it? Close, but not enough to be favorite player material. But I agree with you, and and that's why I like Lauko. Lauko's a little bit of Coleman. Right, he gives you a little bit of that, but that kind of record. It is hard to throw a nineteen-year-old. You know, nineteen-year-old Milan Lucic can handle himself. Uh, we've seen other, you know, nineteen-year-old Tyler Sagan clearly was protected as much as people in this town wanted to. Uh, Storm Claude Julian's house with pitchforks and knives. Uh, we obviously they were doing the right thing with that kid and, and raising him to become an NHL player. But I don't see nineteen-year-old uh, Lauko making an impact at this point. You know, give him a month or two down there, and, and we'll see how he handles it. So to summarize, who would be on Krejci's line if you if you were calling the shots? Because you're saying Coolman's you you put yeah. Coolman now permanently with Co- with Coyle and Heinen. Well, I w- or I would consider Coyle, Coolman, and DeBrusque. And okay. then and then Krejci gets whatever whatever's left over. I mean, until Krejci gets his gaming gear, he's basically your third center, and you're not going to necessarily trust him with the best matchups, especially on home ice. And you're not going to waste the hot play of these other wingers playing with him if he's if he's. I mean, he definitely looks hampered, wouldn't you say? Oh yes, he's not. Definitely. He's not out in the open ice. He's not, you know, drawing people to him right now. He obviously has an issue. Hopefully, he's not making it worse. I mean, it's only the third game of the year. Hopefully, he's going to get healthy here. Connor Ryan had this stat, 28 minutes, 48 seconds of ice time, one high-danger chance with Krejci on the ice. One. Well, there you go. So, that I mean, that's not – that's my, his his numbers support my eye test. So, yep. there you go. We work well together. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean – Yeah. I mean, there's – there's, but, it, again, it's – it's. But will they, that linger? Are know? they balancing in- egos? And are you are you really going to say – I mean, the answer would be, oh, if we, if we don't give Krejci his wingers, then he's never going to get going. But that's, that's not right because you, if you think that Danton Heinen – and Brett Ritchie, for lack of a better person on this team right now, are decent NHL players, then they should be able to get a little something going there, and you have to earn your job back. They talk all the time, win your job. Well, what more does Charlie Coyle have to do than to be you know, the number two center here and get the best wingers he can have? Anything on the defense uh, surprise you? Grizzlick obviously was uh, out a bit Tuesday and then threw things into a, a tizzy, but Krug and Carlo are getting the uh, the bulk of the offensive zone starts. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Surprise, I, I, I think the sample size in that might be a little bit weird. I mean, yeah. the fact is, down the stretch on Saturday with the one nothing lead, um, Carlo and Grizzlick was your defensive pair in addition to Chara and, and McAvoy. So um, they're just trying to find different things. I think that a lot of it has to do with the type of game it is, you know, who's hot. I'm not going to look too much into them being protected, to, for sure. You know, obviously you wanted to get Tory Krug out there in an offensive situation, so and he had the game winner, which was really set up by Backus. You got to give Backus credit; that's a great four yeah, check there in the second great period. Great forecheck by a fourth line player. He's great. He's an excellent fourth line player. That's fine. But and he'll ro- it seems like he's going to rotate. He and Lindholm now. That's going to yeah. be the play. They'll be in and out. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. With I mean, Lind- Lindholm might be better than uh, than that, but. It's it's going to be a, a little bit of a crunch here, and it's kind of ridiculous that they're having such a lineup crunch, and it's just to see who the fourth liners are. You'd rather have guys competing for the second and third line jobs, yeah. and have to you know sit one out than having all these fourth line guys rotating their their depth. As much as they brag about it, it right now, just isn't as 
where it needs to be. Well, even Don Cherry was praising, uh, you know, Don Sweeney throughout the plug there for Sweeney yeah. for getting these guys signed. And I think everybody would echo that. He did a great job. That being said, are they just falling back into the comfort of at the trade deadline? Again, <laughs> we've done it for eight years in a row, whatever. We're, if we need it, we're going to go out and sign a wing. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where trade we're going point. here, except they do have that thing of Bjork waiting in the wings here, right? So Right, that's true. Um I'm not saying that a, a Paul Carey is going to come up here and save them, but it's another guy that you could consider at some point to just come and give you a couple of weeks. Um, the, the way the league is, is is formulated, I mean, we know what they're playing for positioning in the division, but do, do you do you have any fear that they would miss the playoffs? Well, I, I outside yes, of a major I mean, I injury, said Florida, I think could. Yeah, but they had, they have not had a great start to the yeah, year. Yeah, I, mean, I just you just get the feeling that this team. As bad as some of their play was in those first two games, they pulled them out, and they just seem to always have that. And it's not a complacency, you know, thing where they're just sitting back and saying, "Oh, we're going to win." But it's it's actually more of the opposite of that. The fact that when they don't play their best, they still know how to grind out and, and get two points or even get one. So I, I get the feeling that they're not going to, unless there's like a real major injury here, you're not worrying about actually making the playoffs. It's just about the positioning. So, and if they don't care too much about that, it might not be a, a big deal to just wait to the deadline. If I were you, I'd worry more about, more about your Penguins, your uh, Eastern Conference. <laughs> oh pick. God, a terrible start. What, of a year this, they had. what a jinx I put on them, huh? Malkin's out, and they look like a mess. Oh, my God. But compare this to this Bruins team, but, I, you know, I will say, hot start is great. They've got to do it on home ice. Home ice <laughs> is now, the, I mean, based on the way they lost it last year, right. that is the, uh, well, plus, the bugaboo. Plus, if they're, not, if they're not good on home ice, could you imagine? Think how cranky the guarding gets when they play poorly at home now that they don't have any leg room. Now, you mocked the Gray Hill Show Twitter account on Wednesday with, I don't care about this issue. Matt Kalman does not care about because, your seat listen, complaints. We got Charlie Jacobs. We got the guard on record. There, this is what they're saying. People are complaining, but I want to know how many of these people that are complaining are the. They were all at preseason games, whether it was the Celtics game or the Bruins game, or concerts. Are, were these people post balloon? Were these people spending the money to go to regular season sporting events in that building to begin with? Because I can guarantee you, on Thursday, leg room or no leg room, or Saturday, leg room or no leg room, the Bruins home opener is going to be sold out. Well, yeah, but we had tweets on the show, yeah. tweets, texts, pe- maybe people talking tough. I'm not going to renew next year. Well, basically. let's see. Let's see if they really do that. I hear a lot of talk, and yet I hear a lot of people talk about you know the Red Sox when now this and that, and then the next thing you know, they're still getting thirty five thousand into that you know broken down state down stadium of there. So as long as the team's winning, they put people in the seats, and this is not a Boston centric issue. This is. The way pro sports operate now, suck every dollar out of the fan base in every way, shape, or possible, and they take it. Yeah, but for you to say you don't care about the fans or that it's not a legitimate issue until they don't buy the tickets, the issue currently facing fans is they, they were blindsided by this, right? They weren't. They bought. They were sold a bill of goods. They, they well, expected if, to have a certain I don't know. standard well, of legroom. I don't and know. It might, are they, it might are, not be there. We, I don't know. We but. know legally they're not expected. They're not expected to get anything. Okay, legally, but you know, you know I mean, it's, uh, you spend a hundred million dollars in upgrades, you think they would improve the product and not have a <laughs> crisis on your. Well, hands. They, in their in their minds, they did improve the product. They added all these luxury places. They added places for the millennials to stand and watch the game because they can't sit in one place for two hours and focus their eyes in one direction. So they had to build on this standing room spot. I can't even wait to see where the media is going to be sitting. You want? You know what? I'll, I'll ca- oh, do you care about that? Let, let's see how much compassion all these fans complaining about the seating room, the, the leg room, have to say when I tweet out where my seat is in the, the 15th section above <laughs> the ninth floor on Saturday night. I can't wait to see this. I'm sure I'm going to have, you know, Hags and Mick Collagio on my on my lap. 
because they're going to squeeze us all into this this little the smaller area of media. So uh, we'll all complain together. And you know what? The Bruins will laugh to the bank. They will do that. <laughs> uh, other issues now. Uh, last week we had the Jack Edwards uh, Roman Polak oh, God. debate. Were you in on this? Yeah, we shouldn't really get too much into this because it's just nonsense again. It's just the outrage police is out again. It just happens. Well, to be, it was actually an it agent, a to be prominent one, agent. Yeah, an agent who who's who's famous for being the leader of the outrage police when it, when it's his client. People called him a piece of shit. I mean, that's pretty. You know, I I can't recall not, the last agent that openly not swear surprising. At a broadcast. And I'm sure plenty of people off the record and behind closed. Twitter doors are saying the same thing about Alan Walsh because we know how uh, difficult a negotiator he is. We've seen the Jonathan Drew in and Halak before he came here, all the issues that he's had. So it's uh, it's not that big a deal. It's I'm glad it's blown over pretty quickly. I'm glad. I, I mean, I have said this before. I'm proud of Jack Edwards and I'm proud of Nesson. So hold the presses. I'm actually going to compliment you Nesson. Like the logo. I love the logo. It reminds me. It makes me think of like a, a, a beach. It makes me think of a wave. I will say I'm proud of Nesson for not making Jack Edwards apologize for something that was not being offensive in any way, shape, or form. He no, was commenting I mean, on the I mean, situation. I agree with him. Don't don't you feel it was self-induced? Exactly. And Brick was too. I mean, the people just, again, overreacted to it because he has a track record of being over the top. Most of the of course, where were most, at least the tweets I saw, where were most of the people that were being, you know, offended by this tweet? Where do you think they were coming from? Well, probably Toronto. Exactly. <laughs> we we didn't ask uh, Don Cherry about the uh, seat issue or the Jack Edwards issue. He would have been, he would have been, uh, I'm not sure he understood the uh, the latter, but <clears throat> the seat issue, maybe he would have been sympathetic to the fans. I don't well, know. Well, I'm sure, listen, I never went to a hockey game in the old Boston Garden, but I went to other things there. I never went to a Bruins game. Actually, I went to hockey games. What was the seating? What was the leg room like there? I can't imagine it was too good. So the way he describes it, everybody was standing and pounding each other in the, in the crowd. <laughs> exactly, and it's better than sitting behind a pole. Yeah. I sat behind a pole once at the old Boston Garden to go watch a Celtics game. So, you know, just be glad, glad you don't have a pole in front of you. All right, what's coming up this week? We've got, uh, of course, the home opener Saturday night. Yep, New Jersey Devils. Colorado will be, uh, you know, as you listen to this uh, tonight, the, the final road game. But either way, it's a successful road trip. Yeah, I mean, now they're, I mean, they were playing with house money when they won the yeah. first two, right? So, uh, great sign there. And Columbus Day Day game. Yep, Anaheim. So and, tough. And, and pretty soon, uh, you know, Tampa and Toronto. Right. Yeah, pretty the soon a three game stretch against Tampa. One game, and then a home and home with Toronto, and that's going to be, uh, it's going to be huge. It's going to ha- that's going to have a playoff atmosphere. I don't know if anyone. In the in the massive mass media of our town is going to pay attention to this when uh, Tom Brady might have you know flipped a coin or something or some Daniel Brown must be doing something but it's going to be three awesome games and no, there's no taco on the Bruins the Bruins have to find a guy named Taco True. to get attention you know all right we thank you for listening and if you didn't uh, hear Calvin on this episode you can check him out on the Marinovsky podcast because now <laughs> Calvin is like Pete Blackburn he's going on every now, podcast now he'll, he'll finally leave me alone. <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week.